You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, our phone number 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago to also, for those who are live streaming, Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector at Holy Name Cathedral, and co-host Mark Teresi, executive director of the cathedral. How was your weekend, Mark? Good morning. It was very good. We continued our my birthday and our anniversary celebrations, a special dinner. We were up in Wisconsin. We had a special breakfast at the lake. It was very nice, just very re- relaxing con- considering how hectic usually our weekends are. Oh, yeah. Now, your birthday was a week ago Friday, and your 40th anniversary was a week ago today. Yeah, and we were talking before the program about our young adult music ministry that's going to be blossoming at Holy Name and that my age would be three times, an, a young adult times three. So I'd be the age of three young adults. <laughs> you would be the, uh, the grandpa of the group. How about it? And, with the, and the Cubs and the White Sox, the Cubs have now lost 13 oh. games in a row at home, a franchise record. And the Sox, don't, even though Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock, and I disagree, but the Sox uh, have played 500 balls since the All-Star break. But he says, don't worry to me, don't worry. Sox will turn it on. Well, I, I hope he's right. My Again, wife had said just that she felt bad for David Ross that they sold the team out from under him, and he's supposed to manage now. The Cubs, and I'm not, I'm not putting the Cubs down, but on the field now, they're a Triple A team yes. because you su- sold the core. Now, here's the, th- uh, however, the players the Cubs are showing on the field right now are playing their guts out. They're they playing sure for are. positions for next year right. to be on the roster. So if the White Sox take the Cubs lightly this weekend, they might be in for a surprise. But the Cubs are trying, but they sold the core. It makes a huge difference. So again, 312-255-8408. Back by popular demand as a guest, Dr. Edward Gordon, author, writer, lecturer, great husband, um, author of many books, the very involved at Holy Name Cathedral, Minister of Care before COVID hit, a great lector. So I think I've covered some of the areas. <laughs> Hello, Edward. How are you? We can't hear we you. We can't hear you, Ed. The only person there I can are. infect are my books. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, he's got a great sense of humor. How are you doing, how are you doing today, Edward? And how is Elaine doing? Hi. Well, you can say I slept in this outfit, so I'd be ready early in the morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edward has said he's been on the program before with his cup of coffee. And goes right to the uh, telephone, but now he is. Now is this your? This here is I your. Am. Yeah, our, oh, m- mine too. Here, here's my coffee. There you go. Oh okay. yeah. Here's a. Uh, here's my coffee. We can see each other's right, coffee. All right, good. And it, uh, well, now we're, we're, ready we're to we, start, guys. Yes, here we're gonna do two halves today. First half, COVID nineteen right. an update, 
second half, middle ages. And uh, a question that Mark and I have asked you, every program you've been on, even before COVID, but since COVID started, we always ask you, if if COVID-19 were a baseball game, right now, today, Edward, what inning would we be in? Now, the last time you were a guest back in June, you said it was the top of the ninth. Now, what inning are we in the game? Well, the best I can give you is the top of the eighth. Top of the eighth. So we're going backwards. I'm sorry. Yes. And I think you're being. The reason we're going right now, we have uh, 157,000 people were tested positive for COVID yesterday. And that is higher than what we had in January. Hold on, let me get this straight. So we had more we are people going backwards in that sense. Now we have some good news, though. But no, we don't just stop. Edward, stop right there. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. One hundred and fifty-seven thousand tested positive yesterday, which is more in one day than the peak back in January. Yes. Then how come we're not back like in the fourth inning? Well, because it's uh, thus far it has not spread to Chicago. I mean, our audience is largely Chicagoans, Chicago area, Illinois, and Chicago is doing much better than other parts of the country. And why do you think that is? Florida, Florida, Texas, parts of California, Louisiana, Missouri, New York City uh, has reinstated uh, many, many um, of the COVID uh, restrictions. So thus far, because of the restrictions and also the vigilance of Chicagoans and Illinoisans in most of the state, not all of it, we are doing better. Let's hope that holds. What is the Chicago rate, Edward, right now for vaccination? Right. Uh, It is right now, let's see, the testing... Chicago run for vaccination. I can't tell you the vaccination, but I can tell you it's for 4.7 percent of the people tested are testing positive for COVID in Chicago. Okay, so the positivity rate in Chicago is 4.7. It's 4.7 percent. Last week it was 3.9. Okay, I know back like in June it was 0.60, like one half of one percent, but it's nothing like it was back like in February, which was like. 13% 13% or something. or at some Now, point that, let's give awful. you another way of looking at this. Sure. For every 100,000 people, 17.5% of, of Chicagoans have the infection for every per 100,000, all right? Okay. Now, Illinois, it's 26 people. So we're ahead. The northern part of the state is, is ahead of the southern part of the state, which is good. In California, it's 33 per 100,000. Wow. All right. Now, Florida, I don't have that number right now, but I'm sure it's much, much higher. Mm. All right. So, so now the good news, the good news, though, let, let's 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 look at some good news right now. Pfizer has been now fully approved by the government. And that means that we expect that five to 10 percent of the vaccine deniers will now get vaccinated with because Pfizer in the end. 
And in the end, that's what the key is. The only way to get around this is for more people to get vaccinated. A tough question. As a nation, what is our percentage as a nation having been vaccinated? Right now, uh, about uh, about two-thirds of the people have at least received one shot. Nationwide. Okay. Now, okay. among people 65 and older, it's much higher. It's more like 80%. All right. So people who are at greater risk because of their age or other uh, medical conditions, more of them have gotten vaccinated. Now, a tough question, Edward, and that is um, I'm hearing that many young, many young people, especially maybe older people, too, are refusing the vaccination shot on grounds of its. The future individual genetically. I, I'm, not, right. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But have you done research in terms of people who are saying, I refuse the vaccination shot because I'm afraid of my, what it might do to my body a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now? There is no scientific evidence to show that that is true. Right now, there are over 500 sites on social media broadcasting these lies. And I can tell you this, we know that if you don't get vaccinated, your chances of, of contracting COVID are very great right now. And now more and more people, including children. Here's a headline today from one of the newspapers. Look at this. Children fill children, hospital wards. You should be worried because across the country now, Hospitals are starting to see a huge uptick in children. Soon, soon, I expect there will be a shot for children. So the idea of protecting children with masks, socially distancing, is very important. It's a very right. difficult decision for parents now, like, for instance, our son and his wife, have a little six-year-old going to first grade and she's got the mask. They're, they're thrilled that she's been able to go to school to, for the socialization to be with some friends. But I see them struggle with the idea of sending their little one off to the, kind of an unknown mix in terms of what can adults make sure they do for, so that their kids in school are safe? Make sure that all the teachers and administrators in the school are vaccinated. Make sure that all the children and staff in the school wear masks. Make sure that the school has socially distanced the desks between the children and make sure that the school basically continues to keep children apart rather than clustering them in groups until the children start getting vaccinated. And I expect that sometime this fall, we will have a shot approved for children to be vaccinated. So what what does recess look like then? Uh, recess, I think, is uh, that children are going to be uh, distanced yeah. from each other. That's, you know, I mean, look, children are not necessarily dying from the COVID in record numbers, but they're getting sick, more and more of them. So for the time being, keep them apart. 
no. as much as possible. Our phone number is three one two two five five eight four zero eight. And that's hard. And that's hard to do. I understand yeah. that. It is very hard. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a short-term deal. Now, what about this situation here, Edward? I'm hearing more and more people who've been vaccinated, both shots, and the rise of breakthrough cases. Now, I realize I've been told if you've been vaccinated and get COVID, it won't be as severe or bad as if someone's unvaccinated. But in all honesty, I don't want COVID, even asymptomatic or minor, let alone a ventilator, so is it true about the, the rise of breakthrough cases? The key that you have to keep in mind is that the vaccines, I'll take Pfizer, is 95% effective against this terrible scourge. The number of cases that are a breakthrough are individuals and in many cases have been with large numbers of unvaccinated people with, that are not wearing masks and their system then is challenged. That's one reason why uh, the, uh, they're, uh, well, shortly we're going to see booster shots. In fact, we've already started among the individuals who are comp medically compromised. And this fall we'll roll out booster shots uh, eight to nine months after you've had your last shot, you're going to get another one just to boost your immune systems so that you will not get sick from the Delta variant or potentially other variants in the future. Okay. And uh, we're going to take so a little break. The numbers, of, the numbers of people getting sick are very small. I wanted to emphasize that to mm -hmm. you. But remember this, vaccines do not give 100% coverage. So you have to take precautions. Wear your mask when you go to church. Wear your mask when you're inside the supermarket or the drugstore or any store. And continue to socially distance, particularly from people who are unmasked, all right? Okay. So that is the best thing. Remember too, when we had the Spanish flu in 1918, 1919, there was no vaccine. That's why millions of people worldwide died. Now, right now in this country, we know 620,000 people have died because of unexplained death last year, because there was a huge spike in the death rate across the country. We're probably over a million people that have died. But in 1918, 1% of the population died. That would even, that'd be 3 million, all right? So we're still ahead of the game that, uh, considering that it took a while for the vaccine and we had many individuals denying this, many more in the, in the beginning and we didn't know how to treat this because remember, this is a new illness. We're, we're gonna take a little break, Ed, uh, this is, fascinating stuff because what I wanted to get to when we come back from break is travel talking about travel my wife and I are talking about Ireland I want to get your take on when might be a good time to travel and how 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 do you travel Catholic Chicago WNDZ 750 AM 312-255-8408 or you can see us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago we're with Dr. Ed Gordon 
historian, researcher, author, and really our in-resident expert on COVID and how to manage this uncertainty. There's no roadmap on this, and he's helping us to chart that out. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. back, Catholic Chicago, WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com, see us live, youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago with, with Dr. Ed Gordon, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Teresi here. Um, Ed, before the break, my wife and I have been talking about our bucket list trip to Ireland, and we keep putting it off. I don't know how you plan ahead for something like that. Give me some coaching. Well, first of all, take a look at what the infection rate is in Ireland or any country you intend to go to in Europe. Some European countries still have prohibited Americans or for any foreigner from arriving. So the first thing to do is check that mm -hmm. and then check what the infection rate is. Now on the airplanes, and I have flown since COVID okay. uh, domestically, and I will be flying again in October domestically. So what are you gonna have? You're gonna have a mask on in the airport. You're gonna have a mask on in the aircraft. Uh, the planes have been very carefully sanitized, mm -hmm. much more than was true before. And also the uh, filters on the airplanes now uh, and also the rate at which 
outside air is pumped into the planes has been greatly enhanced. So those are the safeguards that you will get. Now, if the plane is packed in every seat and you're sitting in coach and you got three across, mm -hmm. um, again, the key is all those surfaces, have a hand sanitizer, have wipes, use them. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can, uh, you know, well, now, if you're flying to Ireland, you got to drink or eat something or you're going to starve. <laughs> but uh, keep your mask on as much as possible. Make sure you sanitize your hands uh, before you eat or drink anything, any surfaces. Uh, if, if I were you, when I get to the hotel in Ireland, use wipes on the surfaces, switches uh, in the bathroom, on the uh, hot and cold faucets. Uh, anything you're going to touch repeatedly, uh, use it. Okay. Uh, and okay. keep using. Have that with you. Mm -hmm. you know, but you're going to say, "Well, my God, you're you're acting as if uh, this is a life or death problem." It is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. And if, if I were traveling overseas, I would take out health care insurance so that if I got sick and had to go into a hospital. I'd have coverage. Remember, healthcare plans, Blue Cross, Medicare, all of that does not work overseas. Okay, Mark. So Mark, you, Mark, could I? Particularly if you're older. Mark, could I have your car? <laughs> could I have your car, Mark? Yes, you can have my bill. You can have my bills. <laughs> take out the healthcare that pays for not just medical evacuation, but actual stay in a hospital. Okay. And I, I tell people who are older. As they get older, if you fall and break your leg, break your hip, have a heart attack, a stroke, you need that insurance. And and it's not that expensive. And it certainly it makes uh, a you, huge difference. You will find right. that it would be a lifesaver. Remember, Europe is filled with stairs mm -hmm. and people fall down stairs. You lose their footing. The sidewalks are uneven. Uh, people trip and fall. Uh, and you want to have a lot of fun on a vacation. You don't want to have a problem like no, that. We have a phone, so we have a phone call here. Those are some of the things yeah. I'd recommend. Uh, a few more things than normal, obviously. That's... But this is not a normal situation. Right. Let's face it, guys. It's not normal. We're gonna, know, we have, um, I'm going to cut you off here, Edward. We have a phone caller. Yeah. Laura from Chicago, welcome to the program. How are you, Laura? Oh, I'm great. How are you, Father Greg? Fine, thank you. On this beautiful Monday morning in Chicago, you know, they're talking about in the 80s today, and what gets me is that two weeks from today is Labor Day, so enjoy these days of August, because before you know it, it'll be September, a week from Wednesday. So your question, Laura, or comment for uh, Dr. Edward Gordon? Well, you, you know, there were some people who were vaccinated back in January and February, and I believe there may be some concerns now in terms of a decline in the efficacy rate or the effectiveness of those shots. So I was wondering, should we actively be seeking booster shots to protect ourselves? And then, you know, will they have a similar lifespan of like eight months and we'll be regularly seeking inoculations? That's an excellent question, Laura. And we turn over to the, uh, the coach, the master. So thank you for the call, Laura, and have a great day, and God bless you. 
So how, how would you respond well, to that, uh, Edward, to Laura's question? Well, according to a Dr. Fauci at the CDC, when he was asked that question a few days ago, first, the booster shots will help to make the, the uh, vaccine you have in you more robust, uh, and uh, it will extend that another eight months or more. Uh, we do not think at this point you're going to need another booster shot after that, but part of that will be determined if new variants arise. And remember, the longer you have huge numbers of people in the U.S. that are unvaccinated, the greater the possibility that the COVID-19 will again mutate into another variant uh, that may or may not be well handled by the vaccine. Now, if you got vaccinated fully, let's say in February, by October, you should get another shot. Okay. And uh, I, I've heard different things. Uh, originally, I heard that you really should get the same booster that you got originally. Now I've heard that that is not necessarily necessary. I would ask your doctor, your family doctor about that so that we can get a clear uh, recognition. However, let me make this clear. There are a lot of crazy ideas out there. People now are getting shots that are meant for animals, horses, and saying that that is going to uh, pr protect them from COVID. Don't do it. Animal shots are dangerous for human beings. If you're gonna get a shot, get a, a vaccine that has been approved. Now Pfizer's fully approved. I expect Moderna will be and the others as Johnson & Johnson as well. Those are the shots you should get. Don't get go to a veterinarian and get a shot that's intended for an animal. I mean, that <laughs> sounds ridiculous, I, I, doesn't I, it? No, lately, I've had, lately I've had a craving for dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a question. Uh, well, I want, I I, I, Edward, I can't know. believe I can't believe Edward that people are getting vaccinated from a veterinarian and consider that to be okay. That's unbelievable. We'll remember uh, at one point someone suggested you drink Lysol, uh, and that would help you. Of course, they were only joking at the time. Yes. And that's why so many people did it and ended up in emergency rooms right. across the country. Ed, Ed right. can I back up? A, I back up a little bit. So you said you're traveling in October uh, by air. Yes. By air. What, yes. would, what would cause you to cancel that trip? Well, I'm going to California. Mm -hmm. And the thing that would cause me to cancel the trip, if I see a big spike in the infection rate where I'm flying to, now, it's Palm Springs, California, mm -hmm. and I'll be there for uh, several weeks. Uh, believe it or not, Greg, I'm going to be meeting with the pastor of the Sacred Heart Church there, where I also do uh, RCIA and oh, uh, Bible study programs, and we're planning next year's season. Well, that's I'll be terrific. there January, February, March, April. But the point is, I'm looking at the infection rate for the Palm Springs area, Okay. and if it spikes high... Uh, I'll think twice about going. Okay. I'm hopeful it won't, mm -hmm. all right? Because I think by then what's happening now is that if, you, if you're a denier, 
and you see your family members getting sick, you see your peers and friends getting sick, many deniers now are getting the vaccine. Mm -hmm. With the approval of the Pfizer vaccine and the others that are eminent, I expect many of the deniers will get the shot. Now, there will always be some holdouts. I have a good friend who's a doctor, and his daughter refuses to get the vaccine and sends him all these bogus articles from different uh, social media sites that are nothing but lies. Hmm. Let's call them what they are. This is lies, all right? And people need to face this. This is not a political conspiracy by the pharmaceutical companies, by any political party. These are out and out lies. And they help to generate advertising revenue for these social media sites and other publications. This pure propaganda. And the more you repeat it, it becomes more and more dangerous. Edward, we're going to many go, people have died. We're going to go to break here, Edward. I'll have Mark take us to break. Yeah. But I, instead of coming back at 830 regarding middle uh, middle ages, there's two areas yes. in the next segment I do want to cover COVID that have to be talked about. One is the Pope's ad that you cannot use religious grounds from a Catholic perspective to say, I won't get the COVID shot. The Pope says no. Cardinal Subic says no. And secondly, an article you sent me yesterday, I'm really scared about the number of 1,200 nurses have died from COVID-19. There's a tremendous shortage in hospitals of nurses, so they can't even take the patients. I want to talk about those two topics in the next segment, then we'll talk about the Middle Ages. Mark, take us to break. We're at WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Tracy here with Dr. Edward Gordon. We'll be back in a few minutes to continue our conversation on COVID. We'll be back. Please stay tuned. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Catholic Charities has continued to respond to the needs of people who come to us for assistance. More than 850,000 meals and food parcels have been offered to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Over 108,000 homelessness prevention hotline calls have been answered. Over 22,000 people have received mental health services and $2 million in financial assistance has been provided to keep people housed. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. 
You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Dr. Ed, Edward Gordon, and Father Greg, you have a question. Yeah, Edward, right before the break, uh, two areas. One is uh, the Pope recently came out with an ad, and I know when the Cardinal Supich taped the Mass for the cathedral, and which was really ABC television yesterday, 930, he saved room at the end of the Mass for, I think, it's like a one-minute spot from uh, the Pope Francis regarding, please get vaccinated. There are certain bishops in this country, a few, that are saying to their priest, you can give religious grounds as an exemption for the COVID-19 shot not to be getting the vaccination. The Pope made it very clear. Cardinal Subas made it very clear. There are there's nothing in Catholic teaching that would say do not get the vaccination. Um, more about that. I know I have not, I have not seen the ad. Have you? Uh, yes, I have. And uh, I agree with you that there is nothing in Catholic dogma or doctrine to prevent people from getting the, the uh, shots for COVID. In fact, the church stands for right to life and protecting life. And when you consider what we would be facing without vaccines, we'd be waiting for enough people to die so that the virus would go away. Now in the middle ages, here, here's a book about the black death. There was no vaccine then. And what happened? with the Black Death or the bubonic plague caused by bites from fleas, from rats. Uh, well, it uh, came and went many, many times in Europe. Hmm. In fact, uh, the Black Death still occurs, bubonic plague in different parts of the, of the world. It still is still there, but now we have vaccines against it uh, so that it is not the killer that it was. But half the population of Europe in the Middle Ages died from the Black Death because there was no cure. That's amazing. 50% of the population died. Yes. Uh, now, that's an estimate. We, we don't really know exactly, but that is an ex estimate. And it reoccurred over and over and over again in the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, even in the 18th century in different parts of Europe. Not on the same scale, but it still was very destructive. So when we talk about uh, getting a vaccine, uh, when I was a child and polio was very active, uh, the last Cardinal of Chicago, Cardinal George, contracted polio. Mm -hmm. 
and he wore a brace on his leg for the rest of his life. I remember when I was a child, my mother was scared to death in the 50s that I might get polio. So I got the sugar cube, and then later I got the shot. I got it twice. Was that wrong? No. Did I get polio? No. Uh, well, what about all the other booster shots that babies get as they get a little bit older? Is that, is that stupid to do? Uh, no, it isn't. Now, are there side effects that are caused in some children or adults from vaccines? Yes. How important are those instances? They affect a very small part of the population and they still save millions and millions and billions of people from getting sick or dying. That's true. That's true. All right. So is, is modern medicine perfect? No. People still die all the time in hospitals. I volunteer. I, well, I have until COVID occurred, but I volunteer at Northwestern. I've had to escort people to the morgue after their loved one died in intensive care. So doctors aren't miracle workers. However, think of yourself as you've gotten older. I just had cataract surgery. Didn't have, you know, cataract surgery when my grandmother had it was extremely difficult. Exactly. And you had to be immobilized for a long time. And before that, people went blind with cataracts. Now we don't have that problem, do we? I had a cyst in the roof of my mouth for some unknown reason. A hundred years ago, that would have killed me, but they were able to treat that and save my life. And I've had other surgeries, some of which were very life-threatening. But because of that, I'm perfectly healthy now, cancer-free. So um, my point- Medicine has come a long way. Yeah. So if we my listen. point is that, yeah. uh, you know, these vaccines are very important and uh, we should use them unless you have some other intervening immunity that your doctor tells you about. And I know people that have waited to get the vaccine until their doctor said it was now safe for them to get it. So mm -hmm. listen to your doctor. Okay, and the last question in this area before we go to break and then flip it over to the Middle Ages is one of the articles you sent me is there are people who are unable to get into the hospital in certain parts of the country because of a great number of shortage of medical personnel, especially nurses, who have died and they can't get new nurses to replace them. Therefore, people are being turned away from emergency rooms and there's no, the beds are there but there's no one to take care of them in terms of a nursing staff. Say a, bit, a little bit more about that, Edward. Okay. Um, what your, uh, what the listeners here need to know that uh, I'm a historical labor economist and I've spent many years studying America's labor markets and why we have uh, shortages of skilled workers in different parts of the economy. Right now, there are 1 million health-related jobs that are vacant across the United States. That's staggering. Now it's uneven. Uh, so this can be a practical nurse, it could be a lab technician, it can be a doctor, a nurse, etc. Uh, and uh, where the, the 
disease is spiking right now in Florida, in Texas, Louisiana. Many of those hospitals now are overwhelmed with people, which is, of course, normally hospitals aren't overwhelmed, but this, at this point, they are. Many nurses are getting sick, are burning out. In fact, uh, 1,200 nurses across the country have died from COVID, all right? These are the frontline workers, all right? And we are short nurses. We were short, <clears throat> we were short nurses before, and we're critically short now. Part of the problem, part of the problem is that our math and science programs in elementary and high school, in many cases, are so weak that people aren't qualified to even think about when they get to be a little older and go to a community college or a college to go into medicine because they lack algebra, trigonometry, biology, chemistry. They don't have those, the, or their uh, reading abilities are too low. That is part of the problem. In fact, next time I hope to come back, I'm issuing a major report called Job Shock about this that's coming out uh, very soon. Here's uh, here you go. You can see. Oops, if I can do this right, I can't. Your job. Sorry. Shock. Not, oh, there we go. All right. Here, there we go. It's that, and that's uh, that's what's happening, and it's worldwide. It's worldwide. Right now, we have twelve. We estimate between twelve and thirteen million vacant jobs across the U.S. economy. A million of those in healthcare, and right now, are people dying because we do not have the doctors and nurses? particularly in the spiked areas of the country. Yes, uh, visiting nurses are trying to fill in, the ones that travel around the country, and there are huge shortages of those. So uh, the key to all this is uh, get, get the shot and don't end up in the hospital. Okay, we're going to take a little break. Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Ed. That was great. We'll be back, WNDZ, 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago. 312-255-8408 or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back with Dr. Edward Gordon in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Charities in Lake County provides a comprehensive range of social services supporting individuals, families, and older adults. These include crisis assistance, shelter, clothing, family support, counseling, legal assistance, primary health care, and specialized services for seniors and veterans. Grab-and-go meals and food pantries help those who are experiencing food insecurity. Plus, we have a diaper depot to support low-income families and their infants. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call Catholic Charities of Lake County at 847-782-4000. That's 847-782-4000.
Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Dr. Ed Gordon. I didn't realize it was a sweater vest or coming back. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Ed, so one of the things you said uh, in our last segment was that the bubonic plague still in some format exists. Why don't you take us back to the Middle Ages? What can we learn from that? Take us back to the Middle Ages and how... Put your spin on what can we learn? Why, why, why even talk about the Middle Ages during this COVID epidemic? Well, there's an old saying. He or she who does not know history is doomed to relive it. Yes. The Middle Ages about 500 AD to 1300, 1350, was really the age of faith. The Roman Empire had collapsed. Those of you that heard an earlier uh, program on this uh, station uh, heard me talk about uh, the earlier Middle Ages. And the church was the center of life at that time because it was largely a subsistent agriculture society all over Western Europe. That's what I'm talking about now, basically Western Europe. And the church was at the heart of it, through the churches and then the rise of monasteries. And when the plague occurred, the church was the only one that had hospitals or any effort to help the sick and dying. But remember, there was no modern medicine. Mm -hmm. We didn't know about microbes, and disease accurately until the early, late 19th, early 20th century. So you can imagine in the Middle Ages, when this scourge occurred, uh, people looked at all kinds of crazy ideas on how to treat it. And in the end, nothing stopped it until it burnt out in different parts of Europe. And then it would flare up again periodically. And also another, but, another factor, Edward, and along those lines, two things it's important is, number one, is uh, during this period, who were the educated? The clergy. They were the educated yes. ones. Mm -hmm. And number two, there was no social media, which spans and spins so many false stories out there. It was a completely different world. But maybe say something re regarding 
the educated, which were the church personnel, clergy, many people were not educated in those days, unless I'm wrong. That's true. In fact, most people were illiterate. The only people that could read were the priests and the monks. Starting in Ireland, so all our Irish listeners should uh, be very happy about this, was the beginning of the monastic movement that then spread all across Europe very rapidly. And what the monks were doing is they were copying the, uh, the Bible and other religious scripts by hand and saving them in monastic libraries because all of the manuscripts from Rome, a lot of that had been destroyed. The writings of Plato, Aristotle, and many others were preserved by the monasteries. So the monasteries started schools and that spread throughout Europe. And the monks then started uh, schools that would be connected to the great cathedrals of Europe. You think of Paris, you think uh, in Rome and, and other the, those huge monasteries. Holy Name Cathedral here in Chicago has a school. At one time it was a grammar and high school. So the cathedral schools were started and uh, the priests and monks would go out so that uh, Charlemagne was one of uh, a principal ruler uh, of the um, of his empire, which spanned across France and large parts of Germany, and Charlemagne was illiterate. Here you have a a this this is now the high Middle Ages, uh, and he was illiterate. He, but he started a school in his own uh, court to teach his children how to read and write. So the cathedrals in between the 11th and 12th century helped to really transform uh, those environments, all right? And the church was center communication and transportation across Europe was basically nil, except through rivers. There were no really good roads. Uh, there were no major countries. Even though Charlemagne had this empire, it was filled with barons and bandits, and people tended not to travel far from where they lived. With a local baron or noble and ruler in a castle, the serfs worked uh, the fields and they got protection from the local baron and they lived off their own crops and agriculture. And the highlight of their uh, week was to go to mass and listen to the sermons of priests. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have Father Greg with his jokes. I was going to say, Ed, is that your highlight every week? With, <laughs> but uh, that was, uh, you know, they were very, and remember, the average life of a person in the Middle Ages, if you got to 40, you were old because people died of very simple disease. Now, by the way, Ed, you, Ed, just so you know, um, some of Father Greg's jokes do come from the Middle Ages. So this, <laughs> I, you know, I, I suspected that. Anyway, this is your back, last program, Mark. So church, enjoy the last eight minutes. Could I add uh, one thing? Ed, 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 I had yes. a question um, to kind of mm -hmm. fill it out in terms of where the church lived during this time. Where did the papacy fit in? Where did the Pope fit into this? 
Well, the papacy, I'm glad you raised that point. You, well, you, you know, you must have memorized my script in front of me here. Um, <laughs> the Pope was important because the church being so powerful, when nobles would die, in many cases, they would leave parts of their land to the church, to a monastery. Mm -hmm. And the monasteries became very important and uh, very rich, in particularly in terms of, not of, of food, uh, of, of money, but more in terms of land and food. Now, it was the Pope who appointed the bishops, and the bishops would work with the monasteries. So the church became very powerful, both as a spiritual leader, but also economically. So there became a, uh, a major, two major controversies in the Middle Ages was simony and the other was lay investiture. And this was the sale of church offices to uh, individuals. That was simony, and uh, which was uh, a, a terrible practice and the church fought it. And then who would appoint the bishops? The Pope did, and many of the rulers uh, in the Middle Ages wanted to take that power away from the Pope, and they wanted to appoint the local bishops, all right? So there was this. That's one reason why the rank of cardinal was created, because the cardinals ultimately, which means the hinge of a door, that's what the, the uh, cardinal means, and they would vote for a pope who would be neutral. So it would not be uh, an individual who would favor one part of Europe over another. And it was an honorary, it was an archbishop. You have a bishop, an archbishop of a larger diocese, and then a cardinal is an honorary title, and their chief function is to elect the pope. Well, when Gregory VII, or Hildebrand, became the pope, he reorganized canon law to forbid the sale of church offices and lay investiture. And, uh, but this remained a very controversial thing. And even today now, you see that this has dragged on into the 20th century, whereas the church now has attempted to negotiate a new concordat with the Chinese Communist Party as to who appoints the bishops in China. Um, and this is very important politically to the church in China and also uh, across Europe. And in the 20th century, the church negotiated many concordates with other, with governments across Europe to make sure that people would have religious freedom. And again, these problems existed in the Middle Ages and they continued to now. Let me ask you this, Edward. Uh, you look back to the, the era of the Middle Ages. What yes. are one, two, or three myths about the Middle Ages that you would like to on radio dispel? Like, what's a very common myth that you're saying that is wrong? Well, uh, many of the common myths you still see today. Hmm. And these myths are fables, these are conspiracies. These are supernatural powers, witchcraft. Uh, these things now are being spread again by social media. And the church had to 
fight against this because remember, most people were illiterate and they were very prone to these issues. That's one of the reasons why they built cathedrals. I'm sure you've both been to Europe. You've seen some of the great cathedrals. You've seen the statues on the outside of the cathedrals. You've looked at the stained glass. What was the purpose of those statues and that stained glass? It was to teach an illiterate population the mysteries and the beliefs of the Catholic Church and to sustain those beliefs. In the Old, from the Old Testament, you see stained glass windows of the root of Jesse. And from that root spawned all of the other uh, figures in the Old Testament and ultimately for, uh, Christ. You see the 12 apostles outside uh, in stone and in many of the great cathedrals of Europe. So those were meant to be these teaching moments. These were all symbols, but they're important visual symbols to help people to reinforce their religious beliefs. Today, unfortunately, we have propaganda and lies perpetrated on across social media that confuse people as to what are the dogmas and doctrines of the, of the Catholic Church. That's one reason why I'm here with you today, and I hope in subsequent broadcasts I'll be able to talk more about these things. And in the Middle Ages, you know, we set the number of sacraments uh, as seven. Only bishops are ordained priests. We set up the idea that confession and communion once a year uh, was important to give people grace and the hope for salvation. And the doctrine, the dogma of transubstantiation through the words of Christ that Father Greg here say, says mass every day changed the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. It was not symbolic. And even though the bread and wine doesn't taste differently, we know that it is a whole inclusive sus substance and that's why we call it transubstantiation. Right. And on that and note, we Edward, we have to bring the program to a close. I want to thank in a very, very special way. You'll be back again soon. Dr. Edward Gordon, a historian, author, researcher. Uh, give our love to uh, your wonderful, beautiful wife, Elaine. So, Edward, again, you were tremendous both yes, on COVID. Thank you so much. We just touched in the area of Middle Ages, which could have been a whole program or series. Also, special thanks to co-host... Mark Teresi, it's always a joy to be with you, Mark, and a great job of our producer engineers, um, Michael May, Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock. To our listeners, may God bless all of you. Have a great week. And this weekend, the White Sox take on the Cubs. I'm a diehard White Sox fan, so mm -hmm. may the best team win. God bless. Great week. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.